we've learned anything from these past couple of years, my fellow Americans, is that personal medical freedom and liberty are in crisis. America Out Loud Pulse brings together the top experts in healthcare-related fields to keep you a beat ahead. Welcome, my wonderful audience, our wonderful audience, since I'm Peter R. Bregan, MD, and my wife, Ginger Bregan. I'm Ginger Bregan. She's here with me, still evolving in this exciting, wonderful program on America Out Loud Pulse. And uh, we uh, we interview people. Sometimes we talk just among ourselves, the two of us, um, every Thursday at 5 p.m. as part of a series at 5 p.m. that you really shouldn't miss on America Out Loud. Now, today is going to be very interesting. Our guest for the first time ever is anonymous. In fact, we didn't know their gender. <laughs> oh God, you can hear her laughing. You know her gender. Surprise. She couldn't, she couldn't hide it. But we didn't know her gender until we, we just received or connected um, to her. And um, she comes amazingly recommended by somebody who does know who she is, Corey Lynn. Who is of Corey's Digs, coreysdigs.com. We've been interviewing Corey now twice because she's such a brilliant analyst and uh, is a best friend. And um, you two do a program of your own together, Edge. Right, right. Edge is, uh, Edge is what we call her, Edge. Yes, yes. Thank you so much for having me on. I'm so delighted to be able to speak with you both. I've followed uh, your tremendous work, and I appreciate all that you're doing. And yes, um, Corey Len of Corey's Diggs and I have been friends for quite some time, and we have been doing a podcast together called Dig It, and you can find that on various platforms, but we've been doing that for about a couple of years. We partnered also with another friend, an anonymous person who goes by the name Speaker, who comes on periodically now with us on the Dig It podcast, but we've been just collaborating on that as well as I do write articles for Corey's Digs from time to time. Um, as a guest writer. And I believe that's how you guys found me was because of this, uh, one of these most recent reports on CBDCs. Now quickly, just to tell, translate that acronym for the audience. Central Bank Digital Currency. So the article is called The Rise and Risks of Central Bank, Bank Digital Currencies. And I really got into depth on where we're at here in America with central bank digital currencies, as well as programs around the world, where they're at and what to expect for the next year or so coming down the pipe, as well as what are the implications of CBDCs or central bank digital currencies? It's terrifying, actually, what you've uh, put together. I um, read your article and I've had a general understanding of CBDCs, which we will discuss in just a minute. But reading your article illuminated 
how far along the planning and the activation is of these digital currencies in the United States as well as around the world. And it's just uh, jaw-dropping how far along things are. I think in this arena of digital currencies, as well as the uh, other related arenas where we feel that there is this increasing control being placed upon uh, the various countries and civilization as a whole, uh, as in those other arenas like the food technology and so forth, this these plans are way far, far much further ahead than I expected. I kind of thought this stuff was all science fiction, like it right. might happen someday, but there would be a lot of reasonable and thoughtful and um, moral and ethical evaluations of all of this before it happened. Uh, uh, None of that is happening. Well, very little. And none of it is happening in the right arenas where breaks could get put on. As a matter of fact, I'm afraid that the opposite may be occurring. So let's take a step back for our listening audience. And for those who may not have been introduced yet, to digital currencies. Would you start there and explain to us what's going on? Yes. So digital currencies, everybody's aware of Bitcoin and crypto, these kinds of currencies, which are decentralized. Okay. And what you're seeing right now is a push for uh, central bank digital currencies, meaning a currency, a digital currency that is issued by, say, the Federal Reserve or a central bank that they can control. And the PR campaign that we're witnessing currently for the push for central bank digital currencies is really all about how it's stable it's convenient. This is the future of the monetary system. But the truth really is, it is a control system. Because the key features of a central bank digital currency are the ability to track and trace, the ability to program the currency, meaning have certain controls in place on who can use it, what they can buy, and when they can use buy it. So total control of the financial system through a central bank. And the danger, obviously, is to have that kind of centralized control. And when you see some a regime such as the regime that we're currently under, the Biden regime, where every single agency has been weaponized against more than half of the population, considering us to be sort of rogue actors, right? You see the DHS coming out and saying white nationalists are the biggest terrorist threat domestically, right? And, oh, we're going to consider Trump supporters to be white nationalists. So lumping more than half the country who is, say, pro-Trump or pro-America first principles 
into that category of what they consider to be sort of rogue actors, right? You see the DOJ being weaponized against us as well, every single agency. And so when you have the Federal Reserve under this regime, say, issuing a central bank digital currency with the ability to program that money and say who can spend the money, how they can spend it, and when they can spend it, you're inevitably going to see that be weaponized against the regime's threats, which are the populists who are America first. We saw what happened in Canada with the freedom truckers rising up and their assets being frozen. That is the future to expect in every country wherever a central bank digital currency is issued. Right. I think that one of the things to illuminate is essentially what this is going to be is it's a digital money that will replace cash. And we talked with both Corey Lynn and with Catherine Austin Fitz about the importance of using actual paper and coin cash now in as many of our transactions as we can in our daily lives. Everything from eating out at a restaurant to paying the babysitter to your grocery shopping, which uh, that would make a big difference in preventing this conversion to all digital. And we've written about that also in a column on America Out Loud. The the digital currency is is going to be slipped in and actually replace the cash. I would urge uh, listeners not to believe the statements that are made where, oh, you'll still be able to use cash. You'll still be able to use your paper money. Only if we (laughs) insist upon that by using paper money Will we be able to do that? You'll still be able to choose your doctor, too. (laughs) Right, right. (laughs) I didn't get the joke. Well, that was that's what we were told about. Uh, Oh, yes. You'll still be able to use your doctor, right, with Obamacare, right? What doctors? I'm sorry to interject a (laughs) joke. Um, Either either I'm really a bad joke teller or my wife is joke impaired. I am joke impaired. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry to spring a joke on you in the <clears throat> session. Excuse me. You're doing okay. an absolutely great job. I didn't expect to throw you. I'm no, sorry. it's okay. Actually, the point I wanted to make is we can't believe what we're being told. Yes. Either about Precisely. Obamacare, which we've all experienced now, or about digital money. And I'd like to mention an example of that that landed in my inbox this week. We are in a neighborhood which is unfortunately going to go. Uh, go all in all in on smart meters. So our local government is bringing in smart meters for both our gas, our natural gas and our electricity. And those are meters that monitor us digitally and monitor our flow of gas and our flow of electricity. Um, For the utility companies, they will no longer have to come to your meter and read your meter. They will be able to just look at, look at a graph of your usage of gas and electric at any time of the day and night and monitor it and see if you're using more, if you're using less. But the other aspects of this smart meter are it can control the flow. 
that comes into your house. So ultimately, if we end up using more air conditioning than we're supposed to, or too much heat in the winter, uh, we could end up being told by our local government and by the utility companies that are combined with the local government, we could end up being told, no, no, you need to cut back on your energy and it won't be voluntary. They will actually torque down the amount of energy coming into our house through our smart meter. This is another example of digital control that's being implemented around the country. This is being done in, in cities. And tell, tell them how voluntary it is. Oh it's, oh, it's completely voluntary. The flyer that we received this week in my email said that if you don't want to, you can opt out of this program and you will be charged a total of $25 a month for manual meter readings. So we can opt out, but we have to pay $25 a month every single month, which adds up to a pretty penny by the end of the right. year. If right. We- I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm so glad you brought this up because as we're seeing with the sanctions against Russia and the implications that it's having, as well as this literal war on our energy um, from the Biden regime and really around the world, um, we are already seeing energy rationing, say, in Germany. And Europe's obviously going to get harder, hit harder and faster because of their dependence on Russian oil that's just completely being cut off. But I do have serious concerns. We're in the summertime now, but what is going to happen in the wintertime if these these uh, rationing uh, mandates get worse? And uh, I mean, it, it is going to be very cold for a lot of people. Yes, it is. And in other areas, it could be really uh, deadly cold. Uh, I know in the U.S., when Texas lost their incoming, uh, I think it was the electrical grid energy for two weeks during a bad cold spell, it um, it ended up creating real, real uh, dangerous situations for elder people who were living alone and and didn't have a lot of uh, outside support and families who were stuck in the cold without heat for days on end and so forth, um, not to mention commercial and other services industries like hospitals and so forth. So it, it is definitely a really serious problem. And don't believe it when you're told, oh yeah, you will still, you'll still be able to have this or that. We need to stop digital currency. We need to stop smart meters. I don't even know how to stop smart meters. I can't afford $25 a month. Well, we, we, we really could afford it, but I mean, most vast majority of people can't. Right, right, right. And yeah, I certainly don't want to pay for that. And it's, it's. It pisses us off. We can afford it. <laughs> right, right. There you go. <laughs> well, the, 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 my advice to people would be, just as you had mentioned, do everything you possibly can to insulate yourself and your loved ones for what from whatever diabolical plans that they have coming down the pipe. And a lot of that has to do with preparation 
to make yourself as self-sufficient as possible, have alternative um, sources of food and energy supplies, as well as backups on your, you know, your cash and your currency, um, to be able to withstand whatever kind of pressures from outside forces that are going to get you to comply to this initiative to usher the mass masses into the digital ID, social credit system, and digital currency system, which is in essentially an enslavement system. It's neo-feudalism, a technocratic neo-feudalist system. So, but there are multiple campaigns happening at, at simultaneously. And we need to connect all of these things and not see them as separate entities. You have COVID and the vaccine passports, which you have, have spoken about and written about in depth, but there's also the war and sanctions on Russia, food shortages and food vouchers, mass illegal immigration and economic collapse and universal basic income. These are all campaigns designed to usher the masses into a form of digital identity and social credit system and digital currency. So um, we see the COVID passports. Um, COVID itself, it, it, the narrative's dying. Uh, the passports are losing steam. We saw Emmanuel Macron's vaccine passport scheme get, scheme get defeated this week in parliament. I mean, even Bill Gates admitted just a couple months ago at the World Economic Forum conference that vaccine passports make no sense because the jab does not prevent infection or transmission. But they're not giving up on their digital ID plans. They're just shifting and pivoting to other reasons for a digital ID, such as the war between Russia and Ukraine and using that as a justification. We had just this week, the World Economic Forum put out an article talking about how CBDCs or central bank digital currencies are going to help ensure compliance with Russian sanctions. So the article liter literally said that a United States central bank digital currency would allow the Federal Reserve to freeze assets of rogue actors. Now, rogue actors being the operative phrase there, because the yes. glaring problem with this is that we have a Department of Justice, a Department of Homeland Security who are treating more than half the country as rogue actors. That is that's a good place to cut in because we are going to go to our second segment. Uh, yeah, right. And I'm going to uh, you interrupting me there and I'm confusing sorry. me. We just, you're doing a great job, by the way. <laughs> Let's go to the second segment. Second segment. I have a good idea to begin with. Okay. All right. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray, Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the CofixRx banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. Surely if you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. 
We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought. So you can listen in on our free apps on Apple, Android, or Alexa. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. Many Americans worry about their health four times a day. That's 120 times per month. To minimize the worries, leading nutritional supplement company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost, an immune supplement that contains full effective doses of science-backed nutrients like vitamin C, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea, all in a one-a-day, pill-free, ultra-absorption ingestible gel. Supporting a strong and resilient immune system can be simple. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off any order of Immune Super Boost. That's HealthyCell.com, H-E-A-L-T-H-Y-C-E-L-L, and use code AMERICA50 for 50% off. Well, we're now into the second segment of this extraordinarily interesting discussion, largely between our anonymous guest, Edge, and between uh, my wife, uh, Ginger Bregan. Um, I'm sitting here being educated, and I hope the rest of you are, and being scared and thinking about it. I'd like to introduce another um, thought into it. Um, we're going to, we're really in World War III right now. We're under attack by China and the global uh, predators. We've got the, what I call the Western Empire of Bill Gates and the World Economic Forum and the UN and um, the WHO and so on. And then we've got a huge Eastern Empire, which is the Chinese Communist Party running the Chinese people and building a belt and road um, uh, re economic relationships really essentially around the world, building ports for people, managing ports, building military facilities. Now, one of the most uh, powerful weapons that they are developing, which is even discussed in advance in that uh, well-known um, Chinese book, we talk about it in our book, um, COVID-19 and the Global Predators, but this uh, internal Chinese report, which talked about um, uh, warfare that would be stealth, warfare that would be that would have no uh, limits, that would be conducted by various methods, unrestricted and, warfare, um, unrestricted warfare, and that uh, that one of the weapons is going to be digital currency. So the Chinese are they're building also in the South Pacific a uh, and have built and are continuing to build an economic um, region that does not include the U.S. India and Japan are in it, and Australia and New Zealand, but purposely excluding the U.S. And they are going to plan, their plans are to start using digital currency. The Chinese currency will be the digital currency and to begin in that way to compete more with the United States, which right now has the hegemony uh, being the, uh, with the dollar being the trade uh, currency. I don't know if Ginger has more thoughts about that or if Edge has more thoughts about that, but it certainly is the control issue. And it's going to be maybe even a big part 
of what it is a part of what is now World War Three. So you have actually you have actually at least two arenas of threat. One is domestically within the U.S. the the digital control systems that are being put into place, like smart meters, like digital money. Uh, and so forth and so on. And, oh, passports, vaccine passports, and so forth. And they really tied together. And then separately, you've got these external threats from China and other external forces that want to eventually impinge upon the US, including all of its citizens. So Edge, your thoughts? Yes, definitely. China is the major threat, and they are farther along on their CBDC pilot program than anyone as far as a major economic power goes. They're expanding their pilot to include more regions and applications, and along with that, they're expanding their surveillance and control. And we're not just talking about Chinese citizens here. We're talking about Americans and citizens around the world. There are apps that Americans can download from Google and Apple, which are accepting Chinese CBDCs and enabling the Chinese through their CBDC tracking system to have real-time visibility into all transactions on the network, essentially spying on all of the users without their knowledge or consent. You know, I've heard that. And the thing that confuses me is If I download WhatsApp or some other app that has the Chinese uh, digital attachments to it, does that mean people can just, the Chinese can just look at me and my transactions and gain greater access into, can they gain greater access into my phone and my other, other digital transactions beyond the app activity? Absolutely. I believe so. Yes. 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 It's stunning what they can do. And certain uh, congressmen like Tom Cotton have actually submitted a bill. Um, It has not passed, but to protect um, citizens, American citizens from this kind of invasion and intrusion um, regarding the spying using apps um, that are connected to to China's CBDCs. So, um, yes, it's definitely a danger. But here domestically, of course, um, they're trying to say that you have plenty of people in Congress who who believe that uh, we need to push CBDCs here in America in order to compete with China. That's absolutely false. But of course, you have them going full force with this. Fed Chairman Powell came out last month talking about rapid changes that are taking place in the global monetary system and how they may affect the international standing of the dollar and how a U.S. central bank digital currency could potentially help maintain the dollar's international standing. So translation, we've intentionally collapsed the U.S. dollar by printing trillions and robbing Americans blind in order to issue this new technocratic enslavement system. Wow. Well, yeah. Yes. So, but the Biden regime has put out an executive order since March, and this executive order was putting the highest urgency on researching and implementing a U.S. central bank digital currency. And they uh, ordered the Fed, the Treasury, and the DOJ to find ways to actually skirt 
congressional authority on the issuance of a CBDC. They know that under the current laws, the Fed can't issue a CBDC to individuals without congressional authorization. And that's a big problem for them. And that's one huge reason why it's so very, very important that we get out the vote in November. We cannot allow them to steal this coming election everything is at stake because right now they just don't have the votes to pass a bill authorizing the Fed to issue a central bank digital currency to individuals. And we need to keep it that way. Eventually, uh, it sounds as though if, um, if that executive order were to be implemented, it would actually authorize the stealing of our, of our independence man- independent management of our own money. If Congress were to pass a law authorizing, specifically authorizing the Fed to issue a central bank digital currency, that is really the the final the final nail in the coffin. We have to take a stand now. Everything is riding on this because once a CBDC is in place, everything can be controlled centrally by a hostile regime that considers more than half the country to be rogue actors. Exactly. Yes. And we've already experienced during COVID with the tracking and tracing and what we what was being uh, discussed as even more ex- extensive tracking and tracing where I could be tracked just by my cell phone. Every, and this is physically possible. I can be tracked as I walk around with my cell phone. Eventually, if I get a little implant, I can be tracked through that little implant everywhere I go. If there's a GPS in it that shows my location in space and time at any moment. And so when there is something as vital as our as, as my income, my money, which I need to buy groceries to actually conduct my life, take care of my family, keep a roof over my head. When that is completely controlled in a central way by a central unit, then my life is controlled because if that hostile regime decides that they don't like the books we're writing, they don't like what we're saying on the radio, um, they, they don't they don't like uh, something that we are doing locally, perhaps, then w- our money can be cut off. It's that it's that profound. And it sounds it so odd just coming out of my mouth. I'm like, what world is this? But that world is right around the corner if enough of us don't really take a stand at this point and prevent it from coming to fruition. Our kids will be digital money slaves if we don't prevent this. Absolutely, they will. And we can see in real time this playing out, this globalist plan playing out, say, in the Netherlands or in Sri Lanka, okay, where these um, mandates imposed on these countries have had devastating or will have devastating effects and the people rising up against them. But all of this is by design in order to usher in this digital enslavement system through the digital identity, social credit score, and digital currencies combined. So whether it's 
COVID passports or sanctions on Russia or food shortages that end up resulting in food vouchers or even mass illegal immigration, all of these can be weaponized and used in order to justify the issuance of a digital currency, right? So you can see this playing out currently in real time. I mean, um, with the, um, the farmer uprisings in the Netherlands, it perfectly illustrates with clarity. I mean, these, uh, they, they want to buy out or seize the farmer's land, reducing farmer, farming by a third under the guise of cutting nitrogen. But the real reason is to use the land to build centers for mass immigration. And the Netherlands was considered the second largest exporter in the world of food. And they're creating this food shortage because as Henry Kissinger said, who controls the food supply controls the people. Who controls the energy can control the continents. Who controls the money can control the world. And we're watching the taker over of each of these areas, food, energy, and money in real time. For example, with the food vouchers, Emmanuel Macron wants to issue food vouchers to, to combat this food crisis that they've created. They want to issue food vouchers to the lower and middle, middle class. And again, the problem with this is that the vouchers will inevitably lead to a digital identity for full control of what people can spend their money on. No, you can't get that cheeseburger. You can only buy this. Or who can spend the money? No, I'm sorry, you are not a good compliant global citizen. You don't get to spend any money this month. Or I'm sorry, you've had too, you've spent too much money on energy. We have to ration your energy, right? It's full control. And the UN is 100% on board with this. They've actually shifted their food aid from shipping food to the needy to now issuing vouchers. And it's all directed for the same purposes of issuing this digital identity, social credit score, and digital currency scheme around the globe. Edge, this is a very amazing analysis. Um, uh, very, <laughs> very much like when we had Corey Lynn on for the first time, exceeding all expectations. Have you written something uh, about this or do you plan to write something that captures your very uh, broad uh, uh, vision of what's going on? Well, you can listen to most of my rants like this on our weekly Dig It podcast with myself and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. And I have on occasion written for Corey as um, a guest writer on Corey's digs, um, such as this piece on the rise and risks of CBDC. So you can find me periodically on Corey'sDigs.com. So the, the best thing right now for people is to get the uh, uh, document that Ginger uh, was studying before we uh, had you on the air. Right, which is on Corey's digs. And the name of that document is what, Corey? The Rise and Risk of Central Bank Digital Currencies. And you can find that on coreysdigs.com. Perfect. Really good. I'm sitting here thinking about scenarios from the past and the future. And I was thinking about Roosevelt um, seizing all the gold in America and uh, giving, uh, paying for it at a very low fixed previous price. Um, at the time, 
And um, that sets a precedent for so many different things. I could imagine Biden uh, announcing that as of today, um, all of your cash, uh, whether it's in your safes or in your um, retirement accounts or your savings account, that all of that has to be uh, turned into digital money. This will be done automatically through your various institutions. It will be a crime to withhold it. And um, as of, uh, you know, two weeks from now, 30% of all retirement funds uh, in uh, varying name the kinds will have to be in digital currency. And that'll be it. Right. And he may even try to do it without legislation, but it's another reason it's really important. I'm so glad you brought it up. Really, really important that uh, people get out and vote and vote for conservative uh, candidates in November because we've got to get control over the Senate and the House and don't get lazy and say, well, that looks like it's happening. No, no, we really got to make it an overwhelmingly powerful landslide to get past fixing the election and to get past how scared people do get when they get to Washington and don't quite start filling their, fulfilling their promises. Your analysis right. is really tremendous. And there's just such an opportunity to use this internationally and, and to use it uh, um, in, you know, in, in all ways um, in our um, current situation. Absolutely. Uh, Corey, do you have a, a ginger? We got a minute. Well, and we've a half. got one minute, a little over one minute to go. I think that one of the most interesting aspects of this conversation today is I'm beginning to really, and I thought I had a pretty complete concept, but I'm seeing even more clearly the interlacing of these various control mechanisms that are that we're seeing experimented and, and uh, we're seeing the trial balloons of, and in some cases we're seeing implemented. Uh, it, I, I, it, it, uh, it's hard for me to describe how shocking it is that so much has already been put in place. What's happened in the last two years, I never would have imagined before the first lockdowns that that could have happened in the United States of America. And it's like, I'm still waking up today from uh, pre-COVID, but it's a new day and a new age. We are not going back. This genie's not getting put back into the bottle unless we make it go back into the bottle. And I don't know all the pieces of what that involves, but we have to look at all of these control mechanisms that are being uh, examined and suggested and uh, implemented, and we need to resist each and every one of them in every way that we can. We're ready for a break, and we'll be right back. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. 
the Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. Oral hygiene hasn't changed in 50 years, but our diet and the way we eat has, creating an environment in your mouth for bacteria to wreak havoc on your teeth and gums. For better oral health, get Spry Dental Defense an oral care line designed to combat acid-creating bacteria. The toothpaste, mouthwash, mints, and gum all contain xylitol, a natural ingredient shown to dramatically improve oral health. Spry can be found online and at all fine natural retailers. Well, here we are with our final segment. Um, We've been listening... uh, not so much to me, Peter, but to uh, Ginger Bregan and to um, Edge. Um, she goes by the full name of Sharp Edge. And um, she protects herself and her family and her husband by remaining anonymous. We don't get to see a video of her. Uh, I'm enormously impressed with the um, scope of this conversation. Um, it's uh, really actually carried me to a place of new terror and panic <laughs> as I <laughs> as I sit here and I literally imagine discovering that whatever money I have uh, uh, under my mattress, which I don't, but um, any money that I have has to be turned in like gold was had to be turned in. And um, the only gold you could keep was something that was like a locket or had been shaped or formed into something. I don't remember the exact rules, but you couldn't keep any gold per se or uh, gold coins per se without antique value. I think it was something like that. So it was very powerful. And we could really, uh, with the digital currency, be, be facing being tracked and and uh, how we spend our money and uh um, I could imagine a point at which um, if another uh, um, regime gets in place like Biden or a second term of somebody like Biden, um, that we would uh, suddenly find that half the country had uh, uh, been found to be in danger of going into rebellion and that therefore under emergency procedures, all their money, all their digital money was seized. I mean, I can imagine right. almost anything happening now. We have precedents in what was done to Russia, USSR. Uh, certainly Putin is a violent, hateful um, dictator, but he was set up, I believe, for what happened in uh, the Ukraine by, by um, the threat of having an a member of NATO on his border, supported by uh, the United States, and uh, which uh, is very threatening to him under Biden and supported by the EU and so on. So uh, they showed the power of globalism to attack, although he is amazingly surviving economically and financially. But when um, when you're not a nation defending yourself, but you really, your own nation attacks you in this manner, there really isn't going to be much recourse. We have to stop the, this digital uh, money um, 
being issued by governmental agencies or governments. Let it run free and wild out there. And those people who are brave enough to invest in uh, imaginary monies. Crypto, Bitcoin. I think think of those things as imaginary monies. And if you're brave enough to do that, go ahead. But let's stop the governments entirely from... from, behaving in that way. And of course, they'll shut down the digital currencies that are in competition with them. Absolutely, they will. Easy for them to do. It's very interesting, but Mm -hmm. across the boards, one for one, it seems to me that the more centrally located and the higher up government control is, the more at risk individual citizens are from that central control. Sure, it's nice to have federal road systems and so forth, and you have to have some sort of a military, but I believe the founders probably described it a lot more eloquently than I can, what basic responsibilities lie with the federal government versus uh, the network in our country of the United States, who have really are supposed to have most of the control and what we what has happened at this point is our federal government has just assumed more and more responsibility and control over the lives of every single citizen in our country and we've all allowed that to happen because we've got lives to lead and responsibilities and families to take care of and jobs to do and we kind of thought that things were getting done well unfortunately at this point, what's been happening is so much control has been grabbed into uh, a, a central location and a very distant from local citizen location in the federal government that we're now at risk from our own government, depending on the administrations occupying the uh, the government at that point in time. And we're at risk from the bureaucratic administration that survives from election to election to election because they are unelected officials and they have they have uh, gathered to themselves incredible power. We need to somehow claw that back. And I think that the best hope of that is through really paying attention to our local and to our state governments, our governors are state legislations and legislators who, again, need to be very respectful of individual rights and understanding of freedoms and liberties and protecting privacy, and really brave enough to endorse and go after that kind of shield for the citizens of each state from any federal powers that have been created, and then to push back. Exactly, exactly. And I just want to elaborate on what you just so eloquently stated and what uh, Dr. Bregan has stated multiple times in the past um, when referencing his book, your book, both of your book, COVID-19 and the Global uh, Predators, Where Are the Prey? You've spoken about this international criminal collaboration, and you've also also often spoken about a public-private partnership. So it's not necessarily just the federal government that's part of the problem. It's this 
public-private partnership, which is essentially fascism, like what we've seen over the past couple of years between these captured agencies like the CDC and Big Pharma, well, we're also seeing that same lockstep partnership between other capture, captured government agencies in the Biden regime, like the EPA or the DOJ, and mega money managers like BlackRock, who have captured all of the major corporations to go along with this great reset takeover. There is this revolving door between BlackRock executives at the Biden regime and um, it, it's top the top economic advisor uh, for Biden. Brian Deese is a former BlackRock executive. And he just said the other week that these high gas prices that we're facing are really about preserving the future of the liberal world order. And that says it all, because we're not really seeing a true form of capitalism right now. It's more of a predatorial capitalism, where over the past couple of years, through the COVID conspiracy, many, many of these small businesses have been killed off or scooped up and are continuing to die off because of inflation. And we're seeing more centralized control at the top and more centralized a centralization of all of the wealth at the top, with BlackRock, State Street, and Vanguard having created what is essentially a monopoly with a combined ownership of about 90% of all S&P 500 firms. And so they now have the ability to drive all industries to comply with this great reset plan through environmental social governance or ESG standards. And this is all in regards to transitioning us from our current economic system to this new technocratic digital currency system. I'm just looking a little more deeply into what is this love that the corporations have for, for Joe Biden and Xi Jinping. Why do they want to invest in China? Why do they want to see China survive while uh, they, they join with China to destroy the America first policies? And uh, I've been looking at what went on during the Roosevelt administration when he actually uh, tried to organize all the business and all of industry, and he actually did it with the uh, not for not with the people's representatives, the legislature, and so on. He did it working with the big financiers, and uh, these financiers had actually been financing Germany's buildup, even uh, GE may, helping them make their tanks as they got ready to go to war, <clears throat> and these folks all knew they were going to go to war. And um, reading a book by a wonderful guy named Sutton on the financing of Nazi Germany, and he pointed out something very simply. He said that it is much easier for big finance to work with socialist and totalitarian regimes than with democratic ones. They've got, the, they've got all their plans from the top that they can then enter into and finance from the top as they did in Roosevelt's era. The uh, people got poorer and poorer under Roosevelt and the depression got worse and worse. But what I didn't know was how much the big bankers were meanwhile getting fatter and fatter, supporting and making loans and things and um, consulting with Roosevelt while they were supporting 
the Nazi formation of, uh, of, its, of its war basis. And he speaks of corporate socialism to identify what was going on. And that term has gotten kind of lost. And I think that one of the things I'm going to begin to do is to talk about what, what they're really after is corporate, corporate socialism. That's what the fusion is between the corporations and the governments, because in that way, they can really uh, work on huge, huge planning that they can invest in and make fortunes from by working with the government and by, in effect, dominating the government. One of the things that Sutton points out is that we were conducting our foreign policy, that we weren't conducting foreign policy, that even Roosevelt was not conducting foreign policy as much as the financiers working with German financiers were conducting <laughs> literally uh, what was going to happen. And, and the Nuremberg trials, they touched upon bringing to trial people from the United States who had been working with Krupp and the other people that they were indicting, but uh, of course, nothing came of it. So we're really looking at corporate socialism. Uh, it's no longer um, capitalism at all. There's no resemblance, as, as you, you were saying, Edge, uh, there's no resemblance uh, to democracy, but closely resembles anything that's collectivistic. It can be the it can be the fascism of uh, Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates. It can be the communism of Xi Jinping, but it's collectivism and it is ultimately socialism. So let's call it uh, corporate collectivism or corporate socialism, make real clear what Biden is doing and he's doing it in the legacy of uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Right, absolutely. And I believe that actually Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, had said something to that effect, those same, that a similar sort of quote about how democracy is such an inefficient way. And, you know, yes. social or tyrannical governments can, you know, implement these things so much better. I wish I could remember the quote exactly. Well, they all but, believe that, folks listening. Do. That's what they all believe, that, that democracy is really clumsy. You you can just have it there as window dressing, but we absolutely need, and we talk about this in our book uh, again and again and again, top-down government that we can control. And the more I look into it, the more that has been going on as a model for a long time, and in fact was a model for our uh, leading up to our war efforts and then our war efforts. Um it's quite an astonishing phenomenon. Corporate socialism, it's just greed, greed and power, greed for money and power, power, power. Right. And we're seeing the dangerous, destructive uh, nature of this globalist takeover of our health, our food, our energy and our money. All we have to do is look at the Netherlands and Sri Lanka to find the outcomes of those types of policies. But these policy, the the populist uprising are really the consequence. And, you know, there are many things that we can do to try to hold back this globalist takeover. <clears throat> I understand and I and I uh, agree with you and feel this sense of urgency, but I don't want to project 
fear. That's not the no. purpose. <laughs> yeah, that's not the purpose of, of us informing together, us informing the public about these plans that they have. In fact, it's actually to, to arm yourself, to prepare yourself, because there are many things we can do, like these protests that we're seeing in the Netherlands. That's one way to raise awareness and hold back the tyrants. Mass non-compliance is the only way out of this system. Absolutely. And they, they are completely dependent on our compliance. If we can come together in mass non-compliance, as we saw with COVID and rising up against the vaccine mandates and rising up against the mask mandates and the lockdowns, we can do it again and we need to do it even more powerfully with this whole initiative to control our food, our energy, our money, and our entire lives, essentially. But there are other things that we can do as well. Uh, we've talked about this, but it's worth reiterating. We must vote in overwhelming numbers for candidates that we know are going to defend our national sovereignty as well as our protection our food supply, our energy supply, and our economy. No more of these treacherous uniparty politicians who sell us out to the Davos cult. But also, I would suggest, and this is what I have done myself, move out of major cities. Because if food shortages and energy shortages were to come, it would be so much better for you to live in a smaller community, specifically in a red state, where you know your sheriff, you know your local representatives are going to defend and support your freedoms, and also become as self-sufficient as possible by stocking up on food or water or energy supplies and learning new skills like gardening or fishing or hunting. I mean, the more that you can insulate yourself from whatever diabolical plan they have and that they're planning to push, the better you can resist it. Also, I've got, you know, personally, I have some cash. I have some silver. I have other forms of payment on hand. And I understand and agree with you that there may come a time when those things are outlawed. And I hope that doesn't ever get to that. I hope we stop it before then. But that may be a reality. And that's why living in a small community where you can network with other people in your community in order to transition to a bartering system would even be possible, right? So just- Edge, You're giving a fabulous analysis. We have 20 seconds left. Quickly, the best way to stay in touch with you. Please be sure to check out our Dig It podcast. We are on YouTube, BitChute, Foxhole, Gab TV, Rumble, um, a number of other um, locations. And then you can find my writing on Corey'sDigs.com. Thank you, Edge. Brilliant. Thank you, Ginger. Brilliant. Wonderful to sit here and uh, learn so much. Thanks, folks. Bye-bye now. Remember to love each other. Love each other. 